3: So, follow The 7 right now.
2: Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio.
4: The one thing that could be weirder than an original Salvador Dali painting being stolen from the walls of the New York City Department of Corrections is the fact that an original Salvador Dali painting hung for nearly 40 years in the Rikers Island Jail Complex in the first place. Welcome to Criminalia. I'm Maria Tremarchi.
2: And I'm Holly Fry. So first, let's get to know a little about the man behind this stolen work. He was born Salvador Domingo Felipe Jacinto Dali y Dominic on May 11, 1904, in the Catalonian town of Figueres in northeastern Spain to Salvador Dali Cusi and Felipe Dominic Ferris. He had an older brother who passed away in infancy and a sister, Ana Maria, who was born when Dali was age four. According to Dali biographer Ian Gibson, his mother was so proud of her son's childhood drawings and reportedly would boast, quote, when he says he'll draw a swan, he draws a swan. And when he says he'll do a duck, it's a duck. Dali was in his teens when his
4: mother died of cancer. In his autobiography, he wrote of her, quote, this was the greatest blow I had experienced in my life. I worshipped her. I swore to myself that I would snatch my mother from death and destiny with swords of light that someday would savagely gleam around my glorious name. Several years after her death, he sketched an outline of Christ and scrawled across it the words about spitting on his mother's portrait. And some reports suggest that even though he didn't mean this to slander his mother, his father, offended, threw him out.
2: He is described as having been an imaginative and dreamy child, who was also self-centered and spoiled. In his 1942 autobiography, The Secret Life of Salvador Dali, he wrote, At the age of six, I wanted to be a cook. At seven, I wanted to be Napoleon. And my ambition has been growing steadily ever since. He spoke about being proud of his delicate sensitivity, and he prided himself on being different from his peers. There's actually an anecdote about Dali that when his fellow schoolchildren learned that grasshoppers frightened him, they would throw them at him. And in his telling of the story, it was just so that they could delight in his terror. Dali received his formal education
4: in fine arts in Madrid, and his artistic creations spanned multiple mediums, including not only painting and illustration, but photography and film. He was an artist, an author, a critic, and he was most definitely a provocateur. Dali was very young, just 14, when he first exhibited works as part of a show in Figueres. Three years later, he was admitted to the Royal Academy of Fine Arts in San Fernando in Madrid, and once there... He reportedly believed his teachers were, he believed they were just out of touch. And in one anecdote, he said while at school that he could learn more from French magazines than his classes. And he wasn't quiet about it. When it was time for his year-end exam in art history at the academy, Dali said of his examiners, quote, I am very sorry, but I am infinitely more intelligent than these three professors, and I therefore refuse to be examined by them. I know this subject much too well. Academy officials expelled him without a diploma. Smithsonian Magazine would say it best decades later when they printed, quote After all, Dali without the antics is not Dali.
2: It's when he moved to Paris in 1926, and he was 22 at that time, that he began painting his first surrealist pieces. The artistic and intellectual movement of surrealism was begun by writer André Breton, just two years earlier in 1924, and it gained popularity primarily between the First and Second World Wars. Inspired by Sigmund Freud's psychoanalytic theories, it championed artistic expression through the exploration of the unconscious mind. Dali was also known for his methods of free association to approach his art. He's credited with expanding on the movement's dreamy imagery with his own erotically charged hallucinations. Dali quickly became part of the center of the surrealist movement, along with other artists, including René Magritte and John Miró. Breton wrote that Dali's name was, quote, synonymous with revelation in the most resplendent sense of the word. It's his painting, The Persistence of Memory, that's the one that features the melting clocks, that might be his most iconic and his most recognized work. He painted that in 1931, and many years later, Dali famously recounted its origins explaining that the, quote, soft watches were the remains of a very strong camembert cheese. He hit the art scene when he moved to Paris, and he remained in the public eye for many decades, right up until his death at age 84. In 1936, at 32, Dali was on the cover of Time magazine. Quote, compared to Velázquez, I am nothing. But compared to contemporary painters, I am the most big genius of modern time. Salvador Dali said this of himself. He wasn't wrong about his largesse. His paintings would later command more than $21 million at auction.
4: So now that we know about Dali, we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor. When we return, we should probably talk about how an original work of his ended up in the mess hall at an American prison.
1: did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply.
2: This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable, and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions, and I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past, and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit SimplySafe.com slash Criminalia. That's Simply Safe dot ecom slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older (laughs) in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really, like, go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie, and it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer
0: with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition bombshell-escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com.
2: Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk first about Rikers, the correctional compound where this whole thing took place.
4: So we know the artist, so we'll explore the scene of the heist Rikers Island. Known as Rikers, the Rikers Island complex is the main correctional compound of New York City. And it's located on, which you could probably guess, Rikers Island. And that sits in the East River between the boroughs of Queens and the Bronx. It's one of the country's most notorious correctional facilities with a reputation for both violence and neglect. During its history, it has held between 4,000 and 22,000 detainees and prisoners, some famous, some not. In more recent decades, the island saw rapper Tupac Shakur, John Lennon's assassin Mark David Chapman was sentenced there, as was former New York Giants wide receiver and Super Bowl champion Plaxico Burris. The island is named after Abraham Riken, a Dutch colonist who purchased it in 1664. The city of New York bought the island from that family in 1884. And it has housed correctional
2: and mental health institutions pretty much ever since. The complex has 10 different facilities. The Otis Bantam Correctional Center, the Anna M. Cross Center, the George Machin Detention Center, and the George R. Vierno Center hold detained adult males. The Robert and Devorin Complex houses males between 16 and 18 years of age. The Eric M. Taylor Center holds sentenced male adolescents and adults. The Rose M. Singer Center houses sentenced adolescent and adult female detainees, and the Vernon C. Bain Center is a floating 800-bed jail capable of holding medium to maximum security inmates. The island maintains a barge dock to accommodate it. The North Infirmary Command houses prisoners in need of medical attention and the West facility houses inmates with contagious diseases. These things are changing, though. In October 2019, the city passed into law a plan to shutter all prison facilities on Rikers Island by the year 2027. Instead of the jails of Rikers, there will be a network of four modern jail sites in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx. And according to city and corrections officials, this smaller, borough-based jail system will house a population of no more than 3,300 people, so it is much smaller, and the jails will be located within communities and not sequestered on an island. This is the very short telling of the story of Rikers. But it's not really the jail that we're interested in, to be honest. This could have been any incarceration facility, like Alcatraz or Sing Sing, for that matter. What we're really talking about is the heist. In February of 1965,
4: Salvador Dali was invited to visit a Rikers Island inmate art program by longtime Department of Correction Commissioner Anna Cross. Cross had met Dali's business associate, Nico Iperifanos, at a dinner party, where the two laid the groundwork for Dali's island visit. Anna believed in rehabilitating prisoners through the arts, including painting as well as through theater productions. The famous painter's visit would be conducted under the marketing banner of Salvador Dali goes to prison. Dali, it said, was known to twitch his waxed, upturned mustache and endorse pretty much any product he put in front of him, and usually for French and American television commercials. So here's one example. For an American television commercial in 1967, he sat in an airplane seat alongside Whitey Ford, who was the star pitcher for the New York Yankees at the time. And he proclaimed, in heavily accented English, the advertising campaign slogan of now-defunct Braniff Airlines. Said Dali, quote, if you got it, flaunt it, said Ford in reply. That's telling them, Dali, baby. So when Nico mentioned the event and its potential press coverage to Dali, naturally, Dolly was down for Rikers.
2: On February 26, Dali woke up with a fever of 100 degrees Fahrenheit. 38 degrees Celsius. He was scheduled to visit Rikers Island that day to meet with inmates, and his wife Gala, his pet ocelot Babu, and a whole lot of press was going to be there along with him. Dali never missed a good PR opportunity, except he did miss this one. He was just too sick and it was too cold out and he couldn't make the scheduled ferry ride out to the island, and that was the only way to access the facility at the time. But to make up for this cancellation, he decided to send the prisoners a custom Dali as a means of an apology. It's said that in about an hour or two, Dali whipped up a surrealist crucifixion scene with pencil and India ink on a five-by-three-foot piece of paper, so quite large. The painting depicts Christ on the cross from the Christian crucifixion story. Dali signed and dated it in the lower corner and included a note saying, quote, for the inmates' dining room on Rikers Island, Dali.
4: Nico Iperifanos hand-delivered the artwork to the prison, sending word from Dali to the inmates that, quote, you are artists. Don't think your life is finished for you. With art, you have to always feel free. News photos from that day show Nico presenting Anna with the untitled work. It hung in the mess hall of what was then known as the Correctional Institution for Men for 16 years, until an inmate threw a coffee cup at it. But the danger it faced actually wasn't from the inmates or from caffeinated beverages, really. It was from prison guards.
2: After the coffee mug incident of 1981, the untitled Dali was removed from the wall of the cafeteria. When a warden named Alexander Jenkins arrived at Rikers that same year, he was actually skeptical about whether the Dali was truly a Dali. And he stated that to one media outlet, saying, quote, there weren't any records on the painting, and for all I know, it could have been an inmate's copy of a Dali. It was sent to a dealer for authentication and appraisal, and depending on what report you read, it was valued at around $100,000, give or take a few thousand either way. After its authentication, it was then shipped to a Virginia gallery for temporary display in a prison art exhibit. And then it was returned to Rikers, and the Dali was placed into storage, and... Kind of forgotten about. By that point, as Robert Tanner wrote in the Los Angeles Times, it wasn't forgotten just at Rikers. It was, quote, a forgotten footnote in the art world. It sustained some water damage during that time in storage, and it doesn't seem to resurface again until sometime in the 1990s, when reportedly the drawing was found in the trash and saved by a corrections officer.
4: By 1998, it had eventually found its way to the wall of a warden's office and then eventually to the lobby of the Eric M. Taylor Center. That was the facility that held sentenced male adolescents and adults, as Holly said earlier. Most employees of the Department of Corrections and its visitors may not have even noticed it on the wall of the lobby or the framed note from a warden explaining that the image was a genuine Dali that was worth a lot of money. It hung in its original gold frame in a glass case next to a soda vending machine until March 1st, 2003. On March 1st, 2003, the untitled Dali went missing, and it hasn't been seen since.
2: So we're going to take a break here for a word from our sponsor. And when we're back, we will tell the story of the night a Dali was stolen from prison.
0: And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com.
3: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
0: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor.
3: And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu.
0: Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.
3: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
4: Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk about the night of the heist and the four men who tried to pull it off.
2: Four men stole the Dali from inside the Rikers complex, but the suspects were not who you might initially think. This, it turns out, is the story of how two prison wardens and two corrections officers conspired and carried out the theft of the Rikers Island Dali. Just after 1 a.m. on March 1st, 2003, an unplanned fire drill was staged by four prison officials inside the Eric M. Taylor Center. All 2,000 incarcerated people housed there at the time were put on lockdown. Guards on duty rushed from their posts and convened in a remote wing. This was all what they had been trained to do. And this left the lobby where the dolly hung completely empty. The theft was as basic as this. One person manned the fire alarm, two people worked as lookouts, and a fourth person was responsible for switching the real Dali with a forgery. But this was not exactly a well-planned-out caper. It was not carried out with a great deal of efficiency or grace. It was just a few hours later, after the guard shifts had changed, and the heightened drama of having that unplanned drill had all quieted down when another corrections officer stated that there was something odd about the Dali. It was because it happened that this particular guard had this habit of quietly praying to the drawing every time he started his shift. But that day when he arrived, he noticed right away that something was very different, and he reported to the warden that the drawing appeared to be a fake. It was a fake, and it
4: was so obviously a fake. In fact, some at the scene that morning compared what was left behind to the drawing of a young child. It was a noticeably smaller and sloppy copy of what had been hanging in that spot for years. There was something else, too. The art no longer had that special quirkiness of having been at Rikers for so long. The painting had hung in a cafeteria originally for 16 years, and it had developed some reddish food stains ketchup it's assumed—as it hung near the trash bins where inmates dumped their leftovers. The splotches on the counterfeit, though, they were brown. But actually, before you even noticed the counterfeit details of the replacement itself, the most obvious difference may have been that the gold-leaf mahogany frame that had held the original piece was also missing. Instead, there was no frame at all, and the thieves had hung the forgery with staples to the back of the inside of the glass case. Thomas Atenen, a spokesperson for the New York Department of Corrections, told the New York Times at the time, quote, It looks like the painting has been replaced by a copy. That appears to be the case based on a consensus of non-expert opinion, people who work near the painting and see it day in and day out.
2: Investigators quickly concluded that the only people who had access to the artwork were not the inmates, but the guards. Inmates did not have access to that lobby. Investigations were marred by the surveillance footage, though. Just so happened that the camera that pointed directly at the Dali was linked to a recording device in the warden's office, but it had mysteriously stopped working overnight.
4: No way. my <laughs>
2: god. Other reports suggest the footage was lost, but despite the faulty security footage, four suspects were uncovered within days, and those included Benny Knutso and Mitchell Hochhauser, both assistant deputy wardens, and Greg Sokol and Timothy Pina, both corrections officers. It was only a few days after the heist, on March 4th, that Timothy Pina, racked with guilt, was the first to turn himself in and it's Pina who implicated the other three men. According to court documents, he confessed to then Department of Corrections Inspector General Mike Caruso that Nutso and Hochhauser came up with the idea inside the Rikers commissary, known as the Bodega. The men believed they could sell the painting for a good sum on the black market and planned to split the proceeds. Pina stated that they had first approached him in November of 2002 about helping to steal the Dali. Looking into our crystal ball, this totally jibes with Hawkhauser's court testimony when he explained to Don Levin, the prosecutor, how the heist developed from a joke between him and Nutso in late 2002 into a serious plan just a few months later.
4: Pina agreed to wear a wire for Caruso and agreed to meet with and record his co-conspirators. The first meeting was with Sokol, who met with Pina at a local coffee shop. Sokol, Unaware his conversation with Pina had been recorded, was taken into custody as he left the shop. Caruso then also convinced Sokol to agree to wear a wire and record conversations with Hockhauser and Nutso at work at Rikers on March 5th, and he did. By June, all four men were
2: arrested. Also that June, Pina, Sokol, Hockhauser, and Nutso were each charged with second-degree grand larceny. If convicted, anyone facing that charge could be sentenced to up to 15 years in prison. Pina, Sokol, and Hochhauser pleaded guilty to the charge, while Nutso denied everything. Hawkhauser's lawyer, Martin B. Edelman, said of the whole affair, quote, It was incredibly stupid. It's interesting because their sentences differed. Pina was sentenced to five years probation. Sokol was sentenced to three years probation and fined $1,000. Hockhauser was given one to three years in prison, but Benny Nuzzo, who is often considered the alleged ringleader of this heist, was acquitted in his jury trial. Yes,
4: acquitted. And some people think this may be because Nuzzo had a high-profile, high-powered attorney, Joe Takapina, representing him. And if you don't recognize his name, you'll recognize names of some of his clients who have included Jay-Z and Alex Rodriguez. Takapena has since described his method in the courtroom, and it focused on using Sokol's wiretaps against the prosecution. He presented the recordings to the jury, pointing out that you can't clearly hear what was being said during the parts of the admission of theft. He said, quote, On the vital parts, the part where Benny's allegedly making an admission, I did this, I took the painting, I knew what the plan was, don't worry about it, I destroyed it, on those vital parts, the word do and don't were interchangeable. I do know where it is, and I don't know where it is, were not distinguishable. In other clips he used from undercover recordings, Takapina pointed out, Nutso is heard saying of the work, I never had it. Takapina also read back the official transcript of the recordings to Sokol, intentionally replacing do's with don'ts and vice versa throughout the text, effectively changing the meanings of sentences completely. Sokol stated he, too, could not tell when Takapina had swapped out words, making the point that the wiretaps may not have been accurately transcribed. Said Takapina, that was the watershed moment of that trial, the death knell to the prosecution's case." Of the trial, he continued, quote, this ranks in the top five of the most challenging cases I've ever tried from an evidentiary standpoint, for sure. This definitely ranks as my favorite case I've ever tried, because it wasn't just a criminal trial. It was a criminal trial with the focal point being Salvador Dali.
2: Nuzzo was offered a deal, plead guilty in exchange for just four years behind bars. But Nuzzo, maintaining his innocence, refused. Takopina maintained his client had nothing to do with the heist, and ultimately, Nutzo was found not guilty and was acquitted of the charge. Nutzo wasn't totally free to go, though. When investigators searched Nutzo's home, they found items that were stolen from Rikers, although the Dali drawing was not among them. In a subsequent and unrelated charge, Nutzo was found guilty of stealing more than $1,000 worth of items from Rikers, and he was fired from his job.
4: And of the missing untitled Dali, it continues to be lost. We have high hopes just as everyone else, but we do also know that according to those court records, Hockhauser stated Nutso destroyed the piece in a panic shortly after stealing it. Of the entire situation, those who knew Dali seemed to overwhelmingly agree on one thing and laugh about it, and that is that this would be a big joke to him and that he would have loved it. So, there's this quote that I came across during research, and it's from uh, the St. Regis magazine Beyond. And it says of the artist who lived at the St. Regis Hotel for quite some time, quote, he would announce his entrance on the premises with a loud shout of Dali is here. And he would rule the place from that moment until his departure. And I couldn't help but think in that one moment, that would have been the version of the story about the Dali at Rikers that I would really like to hear.
2: So let's go to our mess hall and pour out some heist pooch. <laughs> I'm just picturing a bunch of incarcerated men looking at him Dali's like, here. hands.
4: <laughs> it's a story I
2: want to know. <laughs> cool. cool, dude. I wanted with this cocktail to make reference to Dali's Spanish origin. And so there's a liqueur in here that I really, really love. That's a very unique Spanish liqueur. It's called LICOR, L-I-C-O-R, 43. And if you've never had it and you have access to it, I highly recommend trying it because it is very interesting. It's like some other liqueurs we've talked about where it's made with 43 different ingredients. That's where the, the number comes from. But the flavor of it, I have heard described different ways. Some people really taste the vanilla note in it, which is... It's prominent and it's there, but it tastes like something more than vanilla. It also has this sort of citrusy situation going on, and there's like a whole other spiciness to it. Mm -hmm. It's just a really unique thing. So I wanted to take advantage of doing a Dali-centered episode to bring out the liqueur 43, because I love it. If you are in a pinch, if for some reason you cannot get a hold of that, you could look for another vanilla liqueur and maybe add a little citrus to it. But boy, if you can get it, highly recommend. So this is a very easy little cocktail called Dali's Antics. You are going to put a, I would suggest like a small coupe. It's not a big drink. So you want a smallish glass, whatever glass you love. Put it in your, your fridge to chill or your freezer to chill. I even put a few pieces of ice in mine and put it in the beverage cooler to chill while, while I made the drink. Nice. So it is. An ounce and a half of vodka. You want a very neutral, very clean vodka here. Three quarters of an ounce of the liqueur liqueur 43. And then three quarters of an ounce of heavy cream. You can use half and half here. You can use a nut-based cream. You can use an oat-based cream. Whatever you like best. You want to get this very frothy. So you're going to, if you have a frother, go ahead and use it a little. But you'll also give it a shake with some ice. And then you're going to strain it into your pre-chilled glass with a few pieces of ice in it. It's a very beautiful pale color. And then it's time to get out the Angostura bitters. So you're going to just put three drops of bitters on top. They are not going to stay intact. They're going to spread across that milky Mm -hmm. surface and kind of make almost a marbled effect. And then one more thing, you're going to sprinkle just a little bit of black salt on top. I have some that's lava salt and I love it and I love to put it in things. And it really brings out the flavor of that liqueur 43 and you get all of those interesting notes and the Angostura does some interesting things with it. It's kind of a dessert drink, but it has a little bit more edge than like if you were to get like one of those birthday cake martinis or whatever. (laughs) It's definitely not sweet like that. It's a little heavier hitting. That is why I include ice in the glass because you want it to dilute a little bit as you're drinking because it smooths it out more and more as you go, which is really nice. This is a good one for holiday time, I think. If you don't want to do the standard holiday flavors of nutmeg and gingerbread, this is like, it's interesting, but it's, and it feels a little cozy. But what is it? Which seems correct (laughs) for a Dali-centered drink. But what is it? (laughs) I really like this one. I'm going to be making a lot. To do the mocktail version... You're going to have to do some trickery here. So I would get, I'm going to once again lean into tea, but we're going to make it in a different way. So I would get a vanilla E tea. Sometimes you can get like a vanilla black tea. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you can get just a vanilla herbal tea that doesn't have that black tea caffeination to it. And I would do at the same time a light tasting citrus tea, like an orange tea. And you're gonna put those two tea bags, or if you do loose leaf, your two loose leaf amounts, into a saucepan with I would not do all cream here. I would do something that's a little lighter, like you know, if you do like an oat milk or whatever. I would do half of like a regular oat milk and half of the cream version. So that it still stays creamy and rich, but it's not like heavy, because it will <laughs> condense down as it's simmering and you'll lose some of the liquid and it, it gets thicker and more intense. So I would do that. You're going to let that just come to a simmer, and then you're going to turn off the heat and let it steep for five to ten minutes. I would take the citrus out first, let the vanilla stay a little longer in there. And then you'll let that cool, and you'll shake it, pour it into your pre-chilled glass. If you absolutely don't do bitters because of their alcohol content, you can leave them out. Or, if you want to get real fancy and experimental, you can, with a little dropper, drop a little just a little vanilla extract on top because you know how that is a a thing that tastes sweet but in concentrated form it has a little bit of a bitterness so you can do that put that black salt on top and you still have a very interesting drink that will make you go what exactly is this i'm such a huge salvador dali fan that it was like my delight to think about what would be a good drink to represent him and hopefully this does the trick we are certainly glad that you are here Hanging out with us while we talk about art heists and other crimes. We will be right back here again next week with more heistery and more heist hoochery. Just making up words.
4: <laughs> I believe you should. <laughs>
2: is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I
1: thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this
3: board. This is is uncanny usa
1: he says somebody's in the house and i screamed
3: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare trinity school of natural health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry